call to order the Franklin School Committee meeting. All right, uh, meetings are recorded uh, by Franklin TV and shown on Comcast Channel 11 and Verizon Channel 29, as well as recorded by Franklin Matters. start off with the Pledge of Allegiance. We have our pledge student, Jonathan Ferrari. Come to the mic. Jonathan is a role model fifth grader, shows enthusiasm for learning every day. He works hard and sets high expectations for himself. Equally important, Jonathan brings kindness and good humor to our classrooms each day. He's always willing to help out in a multitude of ways, often seeing a need and stepping up without being asked. Teachers say it's a genuine pleasure to have him in class. Thank you very much and welcome. Everyone please rise for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you very much. More than welcome to stay, and also get out of here too. All right, and as is customary, we'll just pause for a moment of silence. successful production of Legally Blonde with performances on November 17th, 18th, and 19th. The FHS band concert is December 5th at 7 p.m. And the FHS chorus and orchestra concert is December 7th at 7 p.m. We had a very successful pep rally on the Tuesday before break with performances from the cheer team, tug of war, and musical chairs. The Scope Club and Community Service Club are running a bottle and can drive until December 15th. Connect for Cancer is running a blood drive on December 21st from 8 a.m. to 2.30 at the high school. That is open to the public and you can sign up on the Connect for Cancer's social media pages and Google Classroom page. The next FHS PCC meeting is on Wednesday, December 6th. And yearbooks are, be, are able to be purchased now and if you buy one um, before November 30th, you're able to save some money. Tryouts for winter sports started yesterday. Good luck to all the athletes that are trying out. The first indoor track meet will be on December 7th at the track at New Balance. Boys basketball will have scrimmages on December 2nd, 5th, 
and eighth at the high school, and the girls will have basketball scrimmages on the second and fifth at the high school. Congratulations to boys soccer, girls soccer, volleyball, field hockey, and cross country with an amazing season. Congratulations to the cheer team for winning division one for the fall cheer state championship. And congratulations to Franklin football team with a great season. They ended with a Fenway football game against KP with a score of zero to 35. For news for the class of 2024, the Senior Banquet is April 5th, 2024 at Lake Pearl in, in Rentham, and graduation is set for May 31st. And the Senior Officers are currently working on the logistics for Senior Week. For Class of 2025, the Prom Calendar Raffle Fundraiser, each calendar is going to be sold for $25, and all the calendars must be sold by this Thursday. Students that sell more than 10 calendars get a free prom ticket. And the Prom 3 has been voted on by the students, and that is luxury. Thank you. Uh, thank you all very much. Um, any questions or comments from the committee? Nice job to state when states again. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you, thank you both very much. All right. Now, Superintendent. Great. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for, uh, for tuning in or being here in person. So just have a few updates for you from the superintendent's report. The first being, uh, you heard already about the Franklin Theater Company under the direction of Mr. Skylar Grossman, one of our teachers, he's a theater teacher. The amazing casting crew put on uh, a wonderful performance of Legally Blonde and uh, I had the chance to go. I know Mrs. Morano did as well and, and some others and uh, we're really proud of our thespians for their work uh, and the crew who put together an amazing stage and it's a little shout out to Mrs. Morano's son as part of that stage crew uh, and he was a, the manager of the sets and the design so just some amazing work happening in that area we have a lot of amazing things happening across multiple uh, disciplines if you will uh, but just uh, wanted to give a shout out as well uh, fall sports you heard our students uh, recognized our fall sports teams I would do the same um, as is customary when we have uh, state level competition winner we typically try to bring them in front of the board to be recognized uh, for that achievement and uh, we don't take those things for granted especially if you're a Patriots fan now you know what it's like to <laughs> have one and uh, we don't want to we don't want to squander those moments and be celebratory when we can so uh, I would say that and I, I know you're an Eagles fan I am I won't anyway the last update I have for you is around inclement weather. I sent out a letter to all families around just inclement weather, snow days, delays, dismissals, all those things and how those decisions are made and what types of factors go into it. So I would encourage people to look for that email uh, just so they could familiarize themselves with that as we enter the winter season. In New England it can change and um, I've learned you know the, the news the night before can certainly project a picture that doesn't always ring true in the morning, and I think that's the, uh, the challenge of a superintendent. What I will say is our Department of Public Works Director, Brutus Kanaregi, uh, will be joining us next school committee meeting to do a brief snow presentation so we can hear about, uh, from a town perspective, how the roads are cleared, how they prioritize work, where they're at with their, uh, their team, and um, just for this season coming up. We haven't had a snow presentation to the school committee in a few years, so it'll be a welcomed review, and I think that'll be a good, uh, a lot of good information for everyone in our community as we look to, to move forward through the winter. That concludes my report. Thank you. Yeah, Bruce's uh, snow presentations are uh, 
stuff the legends. Uh, so that'll be uh, fantastic to, to hear. Uh, if we have any questions or comments from the committee. All right, okay. Moving on, so we have a school highlight tonight. Uh, just to kind of set the stage for the, for the deck, we have a school highlight. We're welcomed by Mr. Evan Chelman, our principal, and Ms. Amy Harvey, our assistant principal at Parmenter. They will come to the table. Following the Parmenter highlight, we are joined by two of our FHS art teachers, uh, Ms. Edson and Ms. LaPlante, who will talk and present to seek approval for a trip. And then finally, we have our district assessment presentation where we're joined by Mr. Stark and Dr. Frazier, who uh, lead our teaching and learning group with Dr. Rogers, who will be joining us virtually. So with that said, I'd like to kick it off with the Parmenter highlight. So please take it away. All right, thank you very much, Mr. Jagir. Um, first of all, uh, congratulations to everybody on the school committee. Um, it's nice to see you know familiar faces and new faces as well, but just wanted to start off by congratulating you. Um, my name is Evan Shellman. I'm the principal at Parmenter. I'm Amy Harvey, I'm the assistant principal at Parmenter. And uh, we are extremely proud of uh, Jonathan Ferrari for uh, his, his pledge this morning. We told him that he's probably never practiced more for something in his life, <laughs> and, he, and, he, and he didn't even know, right? So I'm sure he said the pledge uh, thousands of times. All right, so we're going to get started off with our spotlight presentation. All right, so that's, that's Jonathan. And I'll say that that write-up was from his fifth grade teacher who was beaming the entire time she was writing it uh, about Jonathan. So let's just, uh, here we go. So um, what we'll actually do is just kind of start off by setting the tone and letting you know that today was day 56 of, of the school year. Um, we know that because our kindergartners keep track, and so does our secretary. Uh, this is, and our teachers, and our students, and our families, everybody keeps track. So anyway, this is actually a pretty selfish spotlight in that um, since I, uh, since I, my candidacy for principal was announced at Parmenter, um, there's one word that came up more than any other uh, from friends, uh, colleagues, uh, people uh, in Franklin who were, you know, excited about the opportunity, and that was community. Uh, I heard the word community from everyone um, since I decided to throw my hat in the ring as principal of Parmenter. So um, I think what I wanted to do tonight, what we wanted to do, was to make this spotlight solely about the community of Parmenter, because that, you know, only 56 days into the school year is something that we want to brag about. And our, our students and our staff and our families uh, deserve the bragging. And it's not something that we typically are comfortable with, by the way. Um, so, <clears throat> I had a little fun with this and we typed into chat GPT, um, what makes a great elementary school community? Now, by the way, it's not because we didn't know already, okay? Um, we talked a lot about that during the interview process, but we got a lot of really great words from, from that search. We got words like transparency, communication, community events, celebrating DEI, recognition and appreciation, and community service and supports. So we took that and we ran with it for this presentation. So, as you know, all research 
shows that you must feel safe, included, and respected, and seen before you can really get to the learning. So um, with that being said, uh, we want to talk tonight about the community, and that goes for staff, students, and families at Connector. <coughs> This slide is our uh, mission statement, our current mission statement, and it stresses the importance of creating a learning environment, a positive, supportive community for students, teachers, and families. You can go to the next slide. The next slide is just a reminder of our core values. We, you will see evidence of our core values threaded throughout the presentation and within the 56 days of school that we've had so far. Before we begin the presentation, we want to bring your attention to the school improvement plans. As you know, the SIPs in Franklin are level specific. So elementary schools share a plan, the middle schools, and then the high school. Community is, a, is the theme throughout the elementary school improvement plans. And this slide is evidence of um, from strategic objectives one, four, and five of um, things that we've put in place at Parment. However, we hope that this spotlight will foster on many ways in which we can foster social-emotional well-being of our students and staff and engage in effective communication to support our community and affirm diversity, equity, and inclusion for all our students. All right, so we're gonna get to those points. So really what this is is 56 days of um, <laughs> bragging about, you know, and spotlighting the community of Parmenter Elementary School. So first and foremost, transparency and communication. Um, we certainly have an open door policy. Um, and we take phone calls, we send emails and texts weekly if we feel that staff members need to know something before the next morning, we'll let them know because again, that emotional safety is extremely important to us. Um, you know, every once in a while, something happens maybe between students and it's important that families hear about that from from staff before they hear about it from their little kiddo getting off the bus and so making sure that we are extremely communicative with families and letting them know what it is you know whatever they need to know um, we send out a morning message each day that talks about what coverages we have and um, what meetings are happening and who is absent and who's at professional days because we want our staff to know who's in the building and you know not and not waste anybody's time searching for someone that's not there. Um, also attending PCC meetings and weekly updates from the PCC meeting. This is an example of the Parmenter Press, which is, which is a weekly newsletter that is sent out. Um, there's a, a letter from the office. Usually there's um, flyers from around town. Maybe it's the Halloween uh, event at uh, Franklin Police Department and the PCC has an opportunity to share out anything that they have going on and there's a calendar, pictures of kids, and this is a, a weekly thing that goes out. Community events, some that we've taken part in so far are our event in the summer, which is Popsicles with Principals. We met kindergarten families on the playground, had popsicles. It allowed the parents and the students to meet us, but it also allowed the parents to get to know their now kindergarten community families together. So that was a great event. We had a fall social that introduced Mr. Chelman to the, to the community. In October, we had our pumpkin stroll where um, students decorated pumpkins. We had the book fair, the fire department came and we got to touch a truck. 
Um, we had hot dogs and ice cream that um, food trucks came that were very good because our hot dogs were delicious. Um, and in our whole school meetings, you'll see in the far left photo, our school psychologist, Mr. Tarantinko, was modeling um, what happens to your brain when you learn something new. And he was learning how to pogo stick. And so he can now pogo stick four times and will be showing how he will improve his pogo sticking throughout the uh, Yeah, the and, and now the town of Franklin knows about it yeah. and will uh, keep everybody updated. Yeah. Yeah. And then we'll have, we'll have to pogo stick at the school committee next week. Um, yeah, and I don't, this is not going well. I don't <laughs> think that, yeah. And then in an upcoming event is our winter event where we're having local artists and businesses come to Parminter at night to showcase their um, crafts. Um, next, we have celebrating diversity and inclusion. Um, for this piece, uh, we have fourth grade lunch bunches that are being hosted by um, Dr. Harris, our DEI director. We have Start With Hello that we celebrated, which is a promise to all students and staff that no one is ever alone. And you'll see a picture there of Mrs. Lyons' class wearing green because green is seen, meaning we all have an identity, we all have a voice, and we all have um, a friend. We all have trusted adults and people that we're surrounded by. Uh, we also celebrated Uni Day, Unity Day in collaboration with the PCC and our SEL team. So you see that picture up there uh, the kiddos and some staff wearing orange that day um, for anti-bullying. We do uh, drop everything and play. That's, uh, that's an event that happens on Friday mornings and literally the entire school starts their day off with play. Students are encouraged to bring in board games from home or card games um, and the, 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 the students that they choose to uh, you know, partner up with and to join into groups is actually pretty amazing. We've already done one. We have our next one coming up this Friday. Matter of fact, if anybody, you know, 8.35 on Friday morning, if you want to drop everything and play as well, you're welcome to come join. I have like three chess matches that I've been challenged to. I will probably get beaten in all of them, um, not because I want to, but you see we've got, you know, kiddos who are wearing their football jerseys and kiddos who, you know, you know, like, Football is not their thing, right? And so getting the chance to actually play and enjoy. We have um, students that push into our NEC partner program and engage with the students in that program. Um, and a lot of times you'll see adults sitting on the floor with kids playing apples to apples and um, new board games as well. So it's a chance to, you know, if you've ever played a board game, you know, unless you're one of those people, right? Like Monopoly all night long or, or Risk for days. Um, anyone that's ever played a board game with someone, you, you learn a lot about the people you're playing with and you make connections and that's an extremely important thing. Recognition and appreciations. Um, we have our morning announcements. During the pledge, you will see on the far right, uh, right Mr. Chalman and one of our kindergarten students leading the pledge. Um, it was his birthday, so we recognize um, recognition of birthdays as well as our core values. Um, we do do a Cotton the Act where students will be recognized for um, exhibiting a core value. Um, character Ed this year, we have grade four and five students submit applications to become our Character Ed, almost like a um, student government, um, but they will help lead us in different community events. 
this year it was done anonymously and done, we eliminated some barriers for students where we asked students to either videotape themselves submitting their, with their application, they could write to their application, or they could present to a staff member. An interview. An in, in, in interview, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Lucky Ducks, the middle one, is what we did to show our appreciation for staff the Tuesday before Thanksgiving, because we believe we are Lucky Ducks to have the staff that we have and the students that we have. So that was a fun game. We did learn that our staff is very, very competitive, competitive. Yeah. and likes games. So. Yeah, so we need to find an outlet for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and lastly, we have Superintendent Jagir came to read to our first grade class on Veterans Day. We have mystery readers come in on Fridays throughout the year to read to classes. And then finally, uh, community service and supports. Just kind of bringing some attention to that Character Education Council is currently um, engaged in a winter gear drive in collaboration with uh, cradles to crayons. And so that's just one of the homemade signs. So we'll send that out and collect that from the community and then uh, cradles to crayons will come pick up. Um, treats for troops, we collected 292 and a half pounds of Halloween candy uh, and the Lions Club came and picked that up and sent that off to, to troops that uh, maybe needed a little bit more than I do, or we do. Um, Franklin Food Pantry partnership is happening, uh, both promoting and utilizing. Um, so that's something that we're extremely proud of and what a resource that is. Um, something definitely that we try to get behind all year. And then holiday supports, uh, just something else that we try to do um, within the Parmenter community. Um, we have some local businesses that will donate, um, you know, and staff that will donate and we can kind of sponsor um, families for holiday sports and things like that around this time of year. And then FPD, we love uh, Officer Gove and all of FPD, FFD that shows up. But um, you know, there we see a student reading some poetry to uh, Ben Franklin uh, in his typical position there. And then um, <laughs> you know, at arrivals and dismissals and you know, uh, Frankie and Ben and Officer Gove are always there for our drills. Just, and, and then not only that, but like late night calls about things that we might want to know. Um, you know, and we reach out to Officer Cove if there's things that we want to know. And I can't be sure that he, he may have also gone to help pick up a teacher whose garage door wouldn't open recently. So, um, you know, definitely, uh, you know, an amazing collaboration there. And then, um, you know, pretty much that's what we got out of, um, you know, that quick little search. And we wanted a chance to reflect on what, what does that community look like? And so what it looks like within the walls, outside the walls. And there's always room for growth and we're working very hard with our PCC and with our staff and students to, to always be getting better and making sure that the community is exactly what we need it to be so that we can focus on um, you know, providing the optimal learning environment. Um, so, Parmenter community is alive and well um, when students and staff feel safe and they feel seen and respected. Uh, that develops that level of trust, which allows you to move forward with, you know, with the standards and, and with the learning. Um, and we just wanted a chance to kind of showcase that this evening. So simple, but um, we hope that we brag enough for our community. So thank you. Thank you so much. Um, Always wonderful to, to hear from all the schools and really kind of see how everyone's doing mm -hmm. on an individual basis too. But I'll just open the floor uh, to have questions. 
from the committee. Uh, so I'm looking at the, the winter clothing drive. Mm -hmm. If people in the community want to help support that, mm -hmm. uh, what can they do to either find more information or where can they drop things off? Sure, that's a great one. So that's happening the second week in December. Um, it'll be in our Parmenter Press and we'll also tweet it out. So if the community wants to follow our Twitter handle, which is um, Parmenter School, um, then they'll be able to get information there as well. Appreciate that. We do have a little contest going on. So we have mm -hmm. the mittens, marvelous mittens is one mm -hmm. team, and cozy coats is the other. Let's <laughs> 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 see who can get the most donations. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, so once again, uh, thank you for the presentation. I mm -hmm. uh, love when schools come in, share what they're doing, how they're you know, helping the kids grow, learn. Um, it's amazing to see. We, we don't see this on a regular basis, and it's good for the public to see this as well. Yeah. Uh, then I, I love that you said it was regarding the inclusion, respect, and being seen. I think that embody, it, it allows kids to want to come back the next mm -hmm. day and want to show, show their best work. Uh, because they, they, they know that somebody's out there that cares for them, and mm -hmm. um, it helps build them for a future. So, so great work inside of that, that foundation. Appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the one thing that jumped out at me, though, was the DEEP program. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think that was, is this new? So it's not new, new. Um, we did survey staff, again, voice, um, to see, like, is this something we want to continue? What about it do we like? What about it do we want to change? And the response came back just like, you know, like keep it the way it is. So we just message it out to to staff, we message it out to students and families so that they know to bring in board games that day and um, and it happened. So it's actually something that I think it started with our um, adjustment counselors brought it brought it to fruition and made it happen and it's just something that we've been happy to keep going and we try to get out into the classrooms during that morning and engage as much as we can. Yeah. It happens about once a month. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it sounds, sounds amazing just a way to just to kind of shake things up, give give children something to be excited about and just come together, you know, and see things in different, different aspects. So, so great. Um, thank you for the work and I appreciate everything you all do. Thank you. Uh, no questions, but I just want to say thank you very much for coming here and showing this to us. It's very apparent just how much you value um, nurturing and fostering a sense of community within your school. I also think it's uh, incredible that you're showing the students how important it is to also be a part of a broader community, you know, with the uh, you know, Treats for Troops as well as the Food Pantry Partnership and really you know, teaching Franklin students that it's not only important to focus on their own individual academic achievement, but also that they're a part of the community and they're when there are opportunities to serve and help others that you know, we should avail ourselves and take advantage of that. So thank you for that. And I'll also say um, with your inspiration, we'll definitely be adding Pogo sticking to the Super <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. For uh, permission? Just, just to be clear, you should get an adult Pogo stick. Um, <laughs> Mr. T did not have an adult pogo stick. Uh, he didn't get the chair. Follow me the baseline. Fair enough. <laughs> okay. we'll I, bet you could, I bet you could be four. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, I'm just going to echo a lot of what's already said. Thank you. Um, it just sounds like a really great environment. Um, I have a couple children that just left elementary. And um, to, to echo what all said and, and Dave, the being seen, and I know you guys know that. Um, the smallest things just go so far. Um, 
dropping everything and playing. I love that. I know we're like an overscheduled society and the kids like don't have a lot of unstructured time and having unstructured time with adults overseeing it is, is like a, a twofold. It's right. like win-win. So um, great, great to hear. I was curious about the creative council, is that what you call it? Like the character sort of, ed. Character, character ed. Character education. I'm speaking of terms. Um, <laughs> how many get to do that? We do limit it. Yeah. It's six, was, it's six yeah. fourth grade and six fifth grade. Mm -hmm. And then it just seems like something that's so awesome. Do you guys have a huge turnout of people trying to get on? We do. It's usually pretty much the ball, all the like, kids in the grade. Yeah, we had, six, we yeah. had 63 kids apply. Yeah. Wow. Um, and, you know, we tried to UDL it as much as we could this year. So it, we, we had interviews happening, um, yeah. you know, and it was really the the application was around um, our core values and uh, examples of them um, practicing those core values and um, and what they what they mean to the students and so we had yeah interviews yeah. posters and what the and it was mm -hmm. great. <laughs> showing those core values outside school because sometimes they can see it just in the school but how do they carry that over into the community and into yeah. outside mm -hmm. yeah that's, that's awesome, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. right and the so wheels are spinning like yeah could we have 12 new ones the second half of the year or something just like the more the kids that get to experience we actually that. this year we did select um we are using the students that did not make the committee in other ways so Good. we'll we yes. will select some that kids that did apply can mm -hmm. now show leadership in another way yeah they came down and helped with the treats for troops they helped out at um our first school meeting so that's very much there right like we don't we don't want anyone to feel disconcerted you know, because of it, but it also, what it does do is it, it holds those positions in very high regard, mm -hmm. um, and that they're not something to be um, taken, you know, for granted. Yeah. Yeah. And we need more of that, too. Yeah. So terms, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Terms. Yeah. Appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Any other questions? No, I just, um, you know, community's great work for an elementary school. Mm -hmm. You guys obviously are doing an amazing job fostering that, building it. It's a good reflection of your apartment or school. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I guess I would just finish with letting everyone know if it's okay that uh, tomorrow is Amy Harvey's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> happy well, happy birthday. birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. I'm 102. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> No, thank you all. It's always wonderful to, to kind of hear directly from the schools and kind of, you know, get that showcase and also to have those bright spots. And, you know, everybody kind of has those, you know, we, we all saw uh, some amazing work that you guys are doing in the classrooms. And, you know, if, if some of those can kind of be replicated across other schools as well, it's only just kind of continue to, to grow our district uh, to uh, be better and better. So thank you all so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you all very much. Thank you both. Does anyone else notice? Are those custom avatars? Because those looked exactly like you, uh, both of you. Yeah. Did yeah. you have to customize those, are, those in order that? Those are custom avatars. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you. So uh, up next, Ms. Edson and Ms. LaPlante will come up. There's a presentation, uh, basically a um, proposal for you. Typically, when we have any type of request for an overnight trip, we submit the uh, forms, it's a formatted your packet to just provide the necessary information we need. Uh, tonight, we're joined, as I said, uh, by Ms. Edson, who is the 
the head of our Franklin High School National Art Honor Society. So um, they're here to answer any questions regarding the trip. Just to set the stage, Mass Mocha is uh, the Massachusetts Museum of Contemporary Art and is a Clark Museum. It's approximately 100 miles away, give or take. Yeah. And uh, there's a request for you to stay overnight because it's a 100 mile trip to head out that way. And they want to maximize not only the Mass Mocha, but there's the Clark Museum also, which is in North Adams, Massachusetts. So with that said, I would uh, kick it over to you all to share any information that uh, you would like to share. And then we'll open it up to questions. Okay, first of all, thank you very much for letting us have this opportunity to share this trip with you. We're pretty excited about it. Um, it's something that I've been wanting to do with the kids for quite a long time now. So it's one night, two museums. All right, so our major goal for this is to uh, open up the, the students' horizons and have them visit art museums. A lot of our students have not been to museums, and this is a great way for them to experience two very different kinds of museums on one trip. Right, so we're so these are these are the National Art Honor Society students are the the students kind of our highest achieving art students at the high school. Um, so they it's something it's very enriching to them. It's all it's just a good experience for everyone to be able to go to a museum and to experience this, even if they're not going to pursue arts as a career, just to be well-rounded people and understand the world. Right. But many of our kids do go into art and yeah, design and yes, architecture who are in this program. Right. So I gave you a little map. Um, this is, so this, that Massmoke is in North Adams and the Clark is in Williamstown. So that's where we're going. Just give you an idea for some context. <laughs> Not everybody knows where they are. So I thought I would help you out with that. All right, so the Massmoke, um, like was mentioned, is actually it's the largest contemporary art museum in North America. It's super, super fun. It is a repurposed 16-acre manufacturing complex. I don't know if anyone's ever been there. I recommend everybody go. It's, it's just really fun. It's very engaging. It's, it's pictures of it. The Solowit, actually they have, so it's this, it's this collection of different um, buildings, and one of the buildings is Solowit is an artist, and people came in and they recreated his artwork on the walls in just one of the buildings. Um, so there's a lot of places to explore in the museum. So you go around, I've been there many times, obviously. I've been there many times, I love it, it's my favorite museum. So you, get, you just can pop out around the corner and all of a sudden there's this amazing piece of artwork. There are interactive displays, there's, there's all sorts of interesting things there. This is just an example of, because it's such a large space, there are all these large, really dynamic artworks that you can be right in front of and you walk through them. There are a lot of outbuildings, there, are, there is art that's outside, inside, so it's very contemporary. And to juxtapose that with the, a visit to the Clark Museum, I think is really interesting. It's a very traditional museum. Um, it is has a nice addition by Tadeo Ando on it, and it's it, it's very it's a very traditional museum. So that's a picture of the of the reflective pool. So it's, it's a traditional museum. You go and you look at your your you know you go what you think of as a museum, and you're looking at your stuff on the walls. So that's some of the artwork that's there. So it's a two-day trip. We would be leaving um, on Friday and motor coaching over there. It's about, you know, three, it's about a three-hour trip, give or take. So start off on Friday visiting the Clark Museum and then the next day going over and visiting um, the Mass Mocha and then coming back. And this trip would be, it's actually a tour through World Strides. 
So they take care of all of like the, the online payment, the, the refund, the, all that. They have doctors, it's all insurance and all that kind of stuff. So, all, so, that's, so it's all taken care of by them. I believe um, Diane Fluff has really helped me out with this, getting this, these, this particular um, company. So I believe she has worked with them before. So that's pretty much the trip. So I have the proposal there too, yeah. Thank you very much. Good job. And so, um, open um, the floor if there's any questions from the committee. Yeah, it sounds like a great trip. How many students are you expecting to be able to bring? Well, 40. 40 students. Yeah. Currently, we have 50 students in the society. Okay. Are there going to be any particularly unique uh, exhibitions at either of those, these locations that are going to be of particular interest? It, it is a, um, they constantly are, are changing them. Um, I'm not sure what they're, there's, in the Mass Market, there's one huge massive warehouse space that's that's a continually changing one. Right now they have, um, I can't remember the artist, but they have um, an interactive roller coaster kind of a space, and that, and if you would go to the museum, you can sign up ahead of time to be on the kind of this thing, so I think that, that might still be there. Um, <coughs> excuse me. some water. <laughs> um, no questions, but just this looks like a great trip. Matt's uh, welcome to the website. Uh, probably will be going there this summer with the boys. Just to get some it's great. It's, worth it. it's, it's so great that it's, so, it's in our state. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, the Summer's amazing. They have concerts and yes, all kinds of outdoor crazy. activities there. It's a really great yeah, place to yeah, visit. They'll, they'll probably love that as well. Just the size of it. So it's yeah, fun. So, good so, luck. Um, sounds great. So, Thank you very much for this presentation. I was actually just at the Massamoka three weeks ago. Um, so I, yeah, I'm very excited that you'll be taking a, a group out there. It's certainly very enriching. I hadn't had much exposure to contemporary art before, but just seeing the it's different perspectives and getting an understanding of what the artist was thinking. And I can absolutely agree that the solo wit um, exhibit was, was one of the highlights for me. So yeah, I'm very excited that um, you'll be giving Franklin students uh, a chance to see and take all this in. Thank you. Yeah, kudos to, to creating a filter for arts and culture too. You know, um, it's good to see those kids get get to experience an overnight like that and to museums and and the price is forty seven for students, so that feels no, it's three eighty five. Oh, I didn't read that. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, we're doing some fundraising to get that down. But yeah. oh, is that okay? Yeah, I was yeah. Say, no, no, we're doing some. We have some sort of like no, 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 okay. no, 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 no. All right, well, <laughs> and that is a higher price compared to other like field trips like music takes and we talked to Diane about this it's very yeah she thought it was she's she, thought it was, she, she thought it was a good deal it was a reasonable price yeah I still do yeah, yeah. yeah. thank you and uh, I know we have a uh, committee member uh, Sampali uh, do you have any questions or comments uh, I'm good uh, it's, it seems like a very exciting group uh, uh, definitely, it's very knowledgeable for the all the students coming in. Uh, thank you for coming, you guys. Thank you. And um, thank you once again, and especially to um, you talk about uh, how it be uh, accessible to students, uh, low-income uh, families. Mm -hmm. I know I've, I've mentioned this uh, plenty of times. I'll continue to kind of mention it uh, that even though. You know the state is now kind of providing the, the you know uh, free meals. That there's still many opportunities for families uh, and neighbors as well, just to kind of you know get the word out that taking that application for the free introduced uh, lunch 
Uh, it, it opens up so many more doors, including for field trips like this, to also be more accessible. Um, and uh, Superintendent, I believe that application is right on our website? It's on our website, yep. Under the, um, I believe it's under the school business. Yep. Yep. So you can find it right on our website. Terrific. It's an and, online application. And it's a rolling application as well, right? It is on a correct perfect. So, you know, for family members, even if you don't necessarily obviously, you know, like the, the state is continuing to pay for, for the meals. Um, but uh, if you're you, your family or you just your, your neighbors are in need of that, uh, it just it opens up so many more doors. Uh, you know, as my colleague mentioned, this is a great, you know, price point as already for, for the trip even at the, the 385 level. Um, but obviously, uh, it, it, it's so much more accessible if you're on the, the free and reduced uh, meal. So please take a look at that application. Um, but uh, thank you very much uh, for this presentation and for answering all of our questions. Greatly appreciate that. Just through the chair, uh, the process will be that you're you're good for now. We will take a vote later on in the meeting um, for approval and I can follow up with you directly to let you know, uh, just based on the comments and feedback, I think we're in the right direction. So, uh, yeah, definitely. Thank you. Okay. Both. All right. Thank you. Thank you both. So. Okay. So next up, we have Mr. Stark and Dr. Frazier, both joining us tonight from the Office of Teaching and Learning. We also have Dr. Rogers, who is online and will be tuning in virtually to share some information. Uh, annually, we share a district assessment presentation just about this time of the year. I'm really excited, just I'm thinking about in my second year, uh, we have a team that includes Tina, Eric, and Tim. Uh, they formed uh, a really solid Office of Teaching and Learning. They all bring different strengths to the table and different perspectives that they can really enhance that particular sector of our organization. And uh, we're fortunate to have them in the role. So tonight they're gonna be sharing some information and I'm gonna kick it over to you all now uh, as so I do not steal any thunder, okay? Hi everyone, can you all hear me? Gotcha. All right, I don't see if the presentation is up, but I just wanna, I'll kick off just saying hello to everyone and thank you for having me, even joining virtually. Uh, happy to be here, and before we kind of kick off our presentation, I would like to just turn it over to Tim and Eric so they can introduce themselves to you all. Sure, thank you. I'm Eric Stark, I'm the Director of Curriculum for Staff. I'm Tim Frazier, I'm the Director of Curriculum for Humanities. Great, well we're excited to be here tonight and what I'll start by saying is that our goal is to, pro to provide you all with an overview of various academic achievement data that we review, analyze, and utilize um, with the majority of our presentation focusing in on MCAS. So we'll share some, some notes that we've made on some trends and patterns um, that we've identified through uh, analyzing MCAS data. And so as we do this, ourselves throughout you know the course of our days and, and months throughout a school year we really keep students of course at the fore forefront of our conversations and of our data analysis and specifically really kind of sector our conversations oftentimes around portrait of graduate skills which is what you see right in front of you uh, this evening and so what i would invite you to do is as you 
listen to the presentation tonight and hear about some of the um, MCAS data trends and analysis that you kind of think through the lens of these skills that we really do work to um, ensure that students embody and grow throughout their duration in the Franco public schools. So those are listed there for you. So we can progress to the next slide. So as I mentioned, this evening we'll focus the majority of the presentation on MCAS analysis, but that's only one academic data point that we consistently analyze throughout the course of any given school year, any given day often, or month. And so we really do categorize academic assessments into, into two ways, formative and summative. So here you can see on the slide, we've outlined what a formative assessment's purpose and frequency is. So when we talk formative assessment in our you know, educational lingo, we're talking about being able to analyze data and information to make actionable changes. Um, and to provide feedback to students, to inform instruction, to inform practice. And this occurs multiple times throughout a student's learning journey, throughout any given day, uh, any given unit of study. And so then here we've listed some examples for you so we can talk about universal screeners, exit tickets, quizzes, progress monitoring. This could be simple observations of students' academic progress in a classroom, classwork, homework. We've, we've, taught, we've probably all experienced quizzes in our time in school. So those are what we talk about when we, when we say formative assessments. And then we also use some of the assessments. And the purpose of this data set is really to evaluate student mastery at the end of a learning journey um, and identify pattern, patterns and trends in that data. So specifically tonight we'll be talking about MCAS, but that's also as we think about AP exams, end of unit tests, finals. We use map assessment data, which is like a point in time, but a summative assessment of a student's journey throughout the course of time. So different data points, this is just outlining for you that MCAS is just one moment in time of one data point that's used in a, in a larger scale. Um, so if we can move to the next slide, this image here, or this visual, is trying to depict the, a student's journey throughout the course of Franklin Public Schools. So you can see that road there, um, we labeled UBL Tier 1 instruction, or Tier 1, and what our goal is is that every student has access to high quality, standards-aligned, research-based, universally designed curriculum, and that teachers are, are able to universally design instructional practices and ensure that every student throughout their journey of Franklin Public Schools has access to that tier one or that core instruction. And so as you can see, these, these little kind of um, pinpoints are just mimicking different points of, in time where maybe formative or summative assessments are given to students. And throughout that journey, as a student progresses kind of through that roadway, there are oftentimes data points that might suggest, and we're just thinking about academics this evening, but that may suggest that what is happening in that tier one instructional curriculum and practices isn't maybe meeting the student's needs. And so you can see kind of these like cul-de-sacs of sorts. Um, one where it's labeled tier two, where there might be a moment where a student or group of students might need some additional support related to whatever the data is kind of telling us in a, in a certain area. But you'll notice that that cul-de-sac comes right back around to that main road of that UDL, that universally designed tier one instruction. And then as you progress through that roadmap, you can see 
kind of lat later on in there that that there's also a, another smaller cul-de-sac kind of that go, shoots off there that's connected both to the tier two and tier three i'm, I'm sorry the tier one road and the tier two cul-de-sac there because there are often sometimes where students might need a little bit more support and so throughout this journey we're using multiple data point academic data points to indicate um, the needs of students but then they'll always come back on this udl tier one pathway and then there's our little image there depicting our graduate um, moving towards our pog skills so this is just kind of a roadway to show you um, and, to, and to depict what we use data to kind of inform student instruction for and so with that i'm going to transition to tim and eric hi so um, we wanted to start by talking, as we did last year, and ending our presentation about some general trends that Franklin has seen when it comes to MCAS and, and uh, when compared it to the state. Um, what we've seen for the past five years uh, is a trend where Franklin students are continuing to outperform in math, ELA, and in the science uh, MCAS when it comes to the uh, percentage of students who are receiving the, uh, the, the, not the label, but the, the achievement of meeting or exceeding expectations. So that trend has been steady for the last five uh, years of MCAS data. But we feel as though um, it's also important for us, in addition to that achievement data, to take a look um, at, at uh, other uh, information that we can gain from MCAS. So I'm gonna transition to Eric, who will sort of set the stage for this here. Yeah, thanks Tim and Tina. So just to orient the committee and uh, the community, um, as Tina said, MCAS assessments are single data points, but we use them to tell the stories of curriculum assessment and instruction here um, in Franklin. And we also use these uh, data points to demonstrate uh, the impact of the investments that the district and the committee and the community um, have made too. So to, um, again, orient the committee and the community, um, we will present um, achievement data uh, based uh, by level, um, for example, as you see here, and we'll do that for elementary, middle, and high school. Um, but then we'll speak to kind of those stories, as I said, um, with domain-specific information um, within each of the content areas, um, again, um, by level. Um, just before we proceed any further, um, I want to just take a moment to acknowledge that our educators and our curriculum leaders um, and our administrators who support and contribute to the work um, of developing curriculum and designing instruction every single day um, and making decisions for our students um, are at the forefront um, of this work um, and just want to take a moment um, to express our appreciation um, for all of them. So as I said, uh, we will speak to domain-specific um, data. Um, so domains or topics are listed down the left-hand uh, side of the, of the slide here. So students in grades three, four, and five take the math MCAS. Um, and again, on this slide, uh, you see um, uh, the percentage of possible points for grades three, four, and five over the course of two years. So with that, um, kind of as your uh, point of reference, I'll advance to the same slide, um, but have some visuals for you. So first for elementary math, I wanna draw your attention to three data points. If you start with the first uh, white circle, um, where it says 55 and then goes over to um, 81, geometry is a domain where our students um, continue to experience success. In 2022, our third graders received 55% of the possible points in this domain. 
but then that same cohort of students in 2023 received 81% of the possible points. As you think about those red circles and arrows, you can follow the grade four students in 2022 received 52% of the possible points, and then as fifth graders the next year, um, 70%. So um, these numbers, again, as Tim said, are significantly above the state average. Um, and I think are a um, celebration. So what can we attribute the success to? Um, in the fall of 2001, we implemented a core program, Illustrative Math. So prior um, to that, um, our um, students might not have had a research-based high-quality um, curriculum. Um, then as we think about prior to 2022 as well, um, as we're implementing um, the uh, illustrative math at the elementary level, um, pacing was challenging and many of our um, classes and grades didn't get to say a geometry unit that comes at the end um, of the school year. Um, so a couple of things that we can kind of attribute those um, 22 scores to are um, the lack of a um, core program um, prior um, that was meeting our students' needs um, and uh, kind of some pacing challenges. However, as we fast forward to the 23 school year, um, as you can see, um, students had the prior grades uh, geometry unit. They had, in some cases, all of or part of the current year's um, geometry units. And something else that was unique to the 23 um, spring MCAS data um, is that we had been using a digital supplemental tool called STMath to support our math programming um, at the um, elementary level. Um, next, I'll draw your attention down to uh, fractions in those white um, square boxes um, around the 71. Um, so in fourth grade, students spend the large part of their year living in these fractions units. Um, and illustrative math is really strong in this area. It's one of the reasons why um, we chose this program. So our third and fourth graders receiving 71% of the possible points in 2023 um, is a celebration um, and is a recognition of kind of the investment we've made um, with uh, illustrative math. And then um, I would note that those 71% um, uh, percent of the possible points, both for our third graders and the fourth graders, um, that's a high um, percentage, um, but it's also 13 percentage points above the state average, which is even more of a celebration. And then finally, I drew a box uh, around the um, operations and algebraic thinking um, domain for our fifth graders in 2023. This is a, a point where our students received fewer um, possible points, um, but I'm proud of um, the work, again, that our teachers and our curriculum leaders um, have done. They identified um, that in OA, um, operations and algebraic thinking, um, illustrative math wasn't fully meeting our students' needs in fifth grade, so they worked uh, to develop a supplemental unit, which is taught in addition um, to the illustrative math unit, and that's happening this year for the first time. So those are um, kind of some celebrations um, as we think about math at the elementary level um, and also a nod to um, the work that our math specialists are doing. Um, I will continue with uh, grade five science. So our um, fifth graders participate in the science, technology, and engineering MCAS. The domains or the topics uh, that are assessed are listed there, as well as the percentage of possible points these percentages are roughly about seven percentage points above um, the state average, and it's worth noting that the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education is developing a new um, science MCAS 
um, and we anticipate that this new um, assessment will require our students to dive deeper into more application and performance tasks. And so we'll speak a little bit to this when we get to middle school. On the ELA side, I'd like to draw our attention and highlight uh, the data that's circled. In our last two school years, uh, there was a recommitment to the foundational principles around reading, largely due to the efforts of our teachers and our reading specialists at each, um, each of our campuses. And through their hard work, um, really they've been working to increase foundational uh, reading, uh, the focus on foundational reading as a tier one instructional approach, um, specifically around phonics, phonological awareness, and an increase uh, in the incorporation of these strategies of encoding and decoding within the classroom at the K through three level. Uh, and we've begun to see the influence of that in our MCAS data. As you can see, language and reading has uh, shown an increase over our last two years, despite the challenges of the previous couple years um, with um, non-traditional schooling, we'll say. Um, <laughs> the dedication um, has really been expanded with our uh, investment in the core program for literacy. Our new core program is, in, in, is at its foundation um, really structured in a way that continues foundational uh, literacy strategies through fifth grade. So one of the wonderful aspects of this core program is that we'll continue to see students having extra opportunities to really uh, work on developing their decoding of the English language, um, their reading and their writing um, throughout their educational experience as elementary students. Um, at the elementary level, an opportunity for us though, and a clear trend actually at all of our levels when we look at ELA, is um, our focus on writing. And uh, at the elementary level, we're now working to increase um, our focus on idea development in writing. Um, supporting ideas with examples from text and from sources, and the appropriate conventions of the English language. Of course, the core program has that aspect, and our teachers are uh, focused on uh, working through that. So we'll continue uh, into the middle level. Students in grades six through eight uh, participate in the ELA and math MCAS, and then students in grade eight, the science, technology, and engineering. Um, this is the middle level uh, achievement data. For middle school math, I wanted to draw uh, your attention to a couple of different areas. First, again, in the geometry domain, um, you'll see that circle around 35. Um, it represents our grade stu uh, seven students in 2022 received 35% um, of the possible points. And then in 2023, those same students received 58% um, of the possible points. This is one example of the um, impact the pandemic had on math instruction. So during the pandemic, the um, Department of Elementary and Secondary Education identified priority standards, and geometry was not one of the, those priority standards. So in some of those 22 scores, we see um, the um, noticeable impact of the lack of instruction um, in that area. The same is true for statistics and probability, that 44% um, of the possible points for our seventh graders in 22. Um, but again, we see that um, increase up to 70%, which was a significant increase um, in 2023. Um, so again, although we saw that increase from 44 um, to 70% uh, 
through my conversations with our math curriculum leaders at the middle level, I think this um, points to a little bit of variability um, within the assessment. Um, and what I mean by that is um, we see um, our students' proficiency with statistics and probability standards most notable in grade eight because those um, standards are taught um, either early on in the seventh grade year or later um, in the um, seventh grade year. So through our conversations, we've really just been talking about that juggling of where do we position um, our units to try to make sure that our students are most prepared for these assessments, recognizing that there's anywhere from six to eight weeks um, of school, um, which represents maybe one to two units um, at the middle level um, afterwards. For the ELA side, um, I'd like to draw our attention to the continued increase in student success with language as is seen in both cohorts um, from 60 to 65 and from 60, to, I'm sorry, from 60 to 65 and 60 to 66. Um, this has been a focus of our middle schools uh, and our teachers have invested time in utilizing and leveraging uh, a digital tool called No Red Ink in order to help, again, reinforce um, grammar and the conventions of the English language, and um, that's that's seen an impact. Um, an opportunity we'd like to see is um, addressing sort of the, the plateauing of our scores as they relate to uh, writing. Uh, there's an opportunity for us to continue to focus on improving student performance. Our teachers um, are currently taking advantage of our professional learning time to focus on uh, at the middle level, increasing the frequency of writing, um, opportunities to write in different um, genres, which at the middle level is a hugely uh, challenging aspect of, of MCAS, uh, and that there's different genres that they're writing within, and also to give them um, an opportunity to continue improving through uh, increasing that frequency with uh, more consistent feedback. Uh, However, we are still seeing that writing is, is outperforming the state. We feel we can continue to um, push for student improvement. And then finally, at the middle level, um, we can speak to science um, and the percentage of um, possible points are listed there. Um, again, these are um, anywhere from two to 10 percentage points um, above the state average. But earlier I talked about how um, the state will be transitioning to a new um, MCAS um, in the coming years that will require students to engage in performance tasks more. Um, so these tasks are gonna require students um, to think about a storyline um, and students um, uh, making sense of real life science phenomena and um, interacting through simulation um, with different experiments and making observations and going through um, kind of the scientific and engineering um, processes. Um, but what I'm excited to say is the investment that we've made in Open Syed that's in our district improvement plan is going to position us um, and our um, uh, eighth graders in the future um, well for this test um, because I think that the um, test will be closely aligned with the Open Syed curriculum that we're implementing. Um, and that our science teachers are working really hard um, to do so at the middle level. Uh, as it relates to ELA at the high school level, um, sorry, I skipped you. No, you're fine. Go ahead. <laughs> we'll go back. I'm too excited. All right. So, um, one one wonderful piece of information is actually when we break down the domains and actually look at the questions on the assessment, uh, Franklin High School students outperform the state on every single question on the high school. Um, they receive more points. 
uh, the percentage of students did. Uh, so we are seeing, in fact, that our, our students are finding success as it relates to this uh, assessment. Uh, but of, of course, we are continuing to uh, finalize our uh, realignment of, of uh, written and codified uh, guaranteed curriculum at the high school level. And one opportunity we have is as they're writing these units, they are looking at pieces of data from, from MCAS, um, and they're looking at their classroom assessments, and they are working hard to develop units where students have opportunities to, um, again, continue to press their, their uh, achievements <coughs> in writing, and also um, to, to have a more meaningful experience overall at the high school level. Sorry, jump That's right. And as we think about math um, in grade 10, these are some, not all of the domains um, that are assessed, um, but I chose um, these five because the first three um, represent the um, highest possible points um, that we received. Um, creating equations is a domain where our students received the highest um, percentage of possible points, as you can see. Um, their percentage was um, 7% percentage points higher than the state average, um, but that's an increase um, from um, 2022, um, which is great. Uh, as we think about quantities and reasoning with equations and inequalities as the next two um, domains, um, in 2022, there were 69% of the possible points. In 23, um, it increased to 72, and then 68 to 75 um, for the second um, domain. And I think about the work that's happening um, at Franklin High School, a multi-year effort to develop a guaranteed and viable curriculum as we think about our students that are taking Algebra 1 and 2 and Geometry, um, the um, guaranteed and viable curriculum that the teachers and the department heads have been writing um, is in place in these classes, so we're seeing um, a positive impact um, on that, which is great. Um, and then as we think about interpreting um, categorical and um, quantitative um, data and the real number system um, as the last two domains, again, that's where we see the variability from year to year, not knowing um, how many questions related to a specific standard um, are going to be given, um, the number of points that could be received. Um, so I think that those just, um, again, kind of connect to that idea we talked about at the middle level with there's some variability and only so much we can anticipate with the test. Um, but we juggle a lot and try to position um, kids the best we can. So to wrap up um, our presentation here, we want to draw our attention again to the idea that MCAS is a single data point, but an important data point. Um, as we look at students taking this assessment, we need to remember, obviously, that this is an assessment at the conclusion of the year, which incorporates standards that are taught within that school year and sometimes taught in the prior school year. Um, and considering that, I think our students have done, uh, demonstrated year and year again that they uh, are receiving you know, a high quality education, but many of our investments are starting to uh, really impact student performance and um, we continue to appreciate um, your support in, in hearing us each year report on the most exciting thing, which is data. Thank you all so much. <clears throat> and uh, with that, we'll open the floor. If any committee members have any questions, comments? Um, I wasn't ready to go first, but um, if somebody. Yeah, um, you know, I love seeing how you follow one cohort one year into the next, and also, you know, kind of reflecting readiness to have, you know, such great years. Just thinking of that one since we were just there. 
um, and the 10th graders that next year too. Um, the, you know, what I wrote down here was writing scores for the middle school level um, that, you know, you mentioned was an area um, where you kind of pulled aside and revamped a little bit to see how you could bring kids up. Is that kind of going back to that roadmap that we showed at the beginning, the, the little cul-de-sacs per se, and would a whole grade level kind of go off on a different track to assess? Do you ever bring in smaller, like smaller groups or a classroom? Just kind of wondering how that works. That's a wonderful question. And, and I believe it's, that that is an uh, indication that we need more cul-de-sacs, if you will. Um, <laughs> so when we look at our tier one instruction, and we realize when we look at MCAS, or we look at other summative assessments, that there's an opportunity for students to find more success. Because they're still achieving, but find more success. Um, we work to increase opportunities in the in their lessons and then in their curriculum for them to uh, really use the skill and then receive feedback on the skill and then be assessed on the skill. And so those are those cul-de-sacs that we see. So MCAS provides us as insight into where, as teachers, as curriculum leaders, um, we could give more opportunity to students to really uh, practice and, and then um, achieve. So those cul-de-sacs are created as a result of Right, absolutely, awesome. And if I can just add on um, to your comment, I think the opportunity that we've listed here is um, we um, need to sustain, um, we not only need to grow, but we need to sustain what we have in terms of gym structure. So making sure that we have the resources to be able to um, continue to provide those like off ramps to get that just in time um, learning to be able to again re-engage with um, the tier one curriculum. So. <coughs> Thanks for the presentation. Uh, so you all talked about uh, the application performance uh, in the science section, basically you know, a new approach, and had alluded somewhat to things that we were doing to kind of prepare for that. Could you go into a little bit more detail as to what we're doing to get the students ready in that area? Yeah, so um, I think at the heart of it, the um, science MCAS has been a multiple choice, constructive response um, type of question like that. The um, new assessment, um, and I'll be joining um, leaders from around the state on Thursday and Friday to learn more about it, um, but the new assessment will just require students to think a little bit more deeper in terms of like phenomenon-based um, um, ideas, and then also to have some sort of technical application, and I don't know yet what that technical application will look like. However, that instructional model is um, what OpenSciEd is based off of at the middle school level, um, so that was my comment of I think that students are um, experiencing the open sciad curriculum, which is phenomenon based. Um, it's um, application um, and all of those things. Um, so I think that we're well positioned um, at that level um, for our students to be prepared for that assessment. Thank you. Sure. I love when you guys come here. This is this is great. This is like, I, I just I just absorbed this and it's it's amazing. Um, so just. Just want to call out, and you had said this as well, some of the improvements that we have seen in the math space is because of our investment in, in illustrative math in 2021. And we're seeing it now. And I want people to think of when we talk about budget and money and what we need, we're asking for things, or you are all asking for things because you are the experts of this that will help us down the road. And you may not see this day one, and we may have to do modifications, as you had said. We may have to do supplementary courses to uh, fill any gaps that you identify. But at the end of the day, it's because it's going to help our students. 
um, and this is a really great depiction. Um, if you guys could go back to slide the grade three, five math domains, um, I loved how you just showed you know, the previous grade with the arrow to where they perform the year after, and you can see what we're getting out of this. And I don't think this is what you can, you, you can tell in the moment. You have to kind of assess it, analyze it, and if we didn't have folks like you all um, doing this work, we may not be able to measure this. Is that safe to say? Sure. <laughs> 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 um, but no, I think this is this is a great testament to what is our money getting us. Um, so, so thank you for doing this and showing us. And I hope this is something we can share with the town when we talk about budget and see, hey, we're asking for this because of these are the things that we'll get back. Um, you mentioned around the plateau and writing scores, and what I'm gathering is with like the changes of the, in the science curriculum or the testing, we'll need to improve our ELA to kind of help the students perform better there. Is that the correct assessment? Sure, that's great. Yeah, so actually on all, all of these assessments, the stronger the students do when it comes to their ELA achievement, the stronger they'll do on all, all of these assessments. There's aspects of language in every, every assessment that they're taking when we talk MCAS. Um, in terms of writing, we are seeing that the percentage of possible points Franklin achieves compared to the state has been consistently higher. And even saying that, we're finding that they, that number isn't increasing. Now that's statewide, so that could be attributed to the test and the design and, and what questions and what, what um, tasks are being asked of students. There's also the, the uh, element that behind each of these numbers is a, is a child. And um, we want the kids to be able to do the best they can at all points. So we're constantly looking at how do we improve their readiness to, to write and to um, critically think through these, these writing tasks. But at the same time, um, you know, we look at this data with, with a lens that we need to dig deeper. Um, so to answer your question, um, that stagnation of, of achievement um, means that that's our first step to, to dig deeper. Um, but we, we do anticipate an investment in writing, an investment in looking at the curriculum, time for teachers to get together to really dig into their, you know, the, the kids in front of them and what their kids in front of them need. That, that's going to require some some hard work, and, and we're excited to do that work. No, great, thank you. Um, this is all great, and I, I feel like the more, once again, the more that we invest in our students um, at the younger ages, the easier it is for them as they get older. Um, and I'm assuming all of the claims that we get from a, from a town for sports and cheerleading and other things, you know, I want us to be in that space for academics as well. And I think we're planting the seeds and just like planting, you just can't water it one day and you're gonna get your, you know, your, your, you bear your fruit the next day, right? You gotta wait that the time and you finally see it. So um, this is just showing that the work we put in is, is helping our students, our teachers, our town, and our reputation. So um, thank you for this, appreciate this, and uh, looking forward to next time. Thank you both very much uh, for uh, all hard work you uh, put into this and uh, putting these metrics together. And it's yeah, extremely encouraging to see not only our performance relative to the rest of the state, but also the trends that you were um, yeah, um, just very, very well highlighting 
here, and uh, I'd like to echo the sentiments of my colleague, Mr. Charles. It's very encouraging as well to see how our investments in our curriculum and the programs that we're offering are really are um, bearing fruit, um, and, uh, and that's borne out in the data. I did have a couple questions for you guys. So, um, you know, from the performance metrics and the over-year trends, again, very encouraging, and, and we're very happy to see it. Um, either from those or from um, other indicators, do we have any sense of how pandemic learning impacted either the performance metrics or the trends we're seeing? And do we have any sense of maybe possible lingering effects of, of pandemic learning on them? You want to speak to that? Yeah, so I think on the math side, um, it's uh, a little bit easier to see that. Um, it's a little bit easier to see that with um, where the state set priority standards, as I talked about earlier. So the state um, during the pandemic was um, asking us to focus on these domains or these topics um, with um, less instructional time. Um, and I think that where we see lower scores, we can um, draw a connection to um, less instruction um, in those areas. Um, but I think the encouraging part um, is seeing that that growth um, with all of the things we've put into place, that growth is um, right back up there, just with this example of geometry, um, as a result of a core program, as a result of a digital supplemental tool, as a result of our curriculum leaders making instructional decisions um, on a daily basis um, and making adjustments. Um, so I think this is just one example um, of the impact um, and kind of our like, recovery, if you will. Excellent, thank you. And um, as was mentioned, so these trends are a great testament to the impact of illustrative math, and you know, we hope that we continue to see those year after year. And so um, now that we're really exploring this new literacy program and, and curricula kind of across the board, are we, I mean, of course, we're hoping for, for similar trends, but like what, what can we maybe expect and like what's the, what's the timeline for what we're expecting as we implement that? Sure, we're confident in positive trends um, when it comes to, to the new core program, especially considering the hard work of teachers and the, um, the literacy specialists in, in really leading this effort of adopting a program. What we would anticipate usually is there's a two to three year um, opportunity for with the adoption of a new curriculum before you see noticeable um, changes or gains in data. And part of that has to do with the scope and sequence of when concepts are introduced to students, the language of concepts, routines. Um, it, it does take some time for that to, to pan out. Um, as we relate to the core program, one of the benefits we see is it does have a spiral curriculum, which means that students are introduced to these different domains and the different concepts within them, and then they're introduced, to, uh, reintroduced with more complexity throughout the same academic year and throughout their uh, K through five journey. And so what we should see is growth across the board. Another aspect that's a positive of a core program uh, for Franklin is that with our five elementary schools, we have a guarantee that all students have access to high quality instructional material and that their teachers are receiving um, professional learning uh, that is all aligned. So we should see um, students across the board benefit from um, access, really, and, and access to teachers who um, are teaching towards a consistent scope, K to five, um, whether they're in Parmenter or they're in Oak, um, they're going to, um, we should see those 
that that performance pan out in a consistent manner. And when we look at how the metrics do get calculated, it, it would obviously benefit all students. Excellent, thank you. And uh, yeah, uh, that's great to know that we have some kind of expectation in terms of what the timeline sort of looks like. And we, of course, look forward to seeing that borne out uh, when, when it does occur. And then uh, one last question I have. So again, overall, it seems like everything is I mean, very not only trending in a positive direction, but has remained in a positive state relative to where the rest of the, or on average, where the Commonwealth is. But um, of these, are there any metrics or trends that other teachers or admin are particularly concerned about or think that there's something we need to prioritize more? Of course, you know, we have the new curriculum that's being implemented, but is there anything that, that stuck out to you that we think we um, you know, should be uh, brought to our attention or need to be reassessed later on? Do you want to speak to me? I'm going to go first. Go ahead. So to me, in looking at the ELA, ELA data and looking at um, the different data sources we use when we are supporting students, it's the importance of what we do with that information. And so to me, the important piece of uh, data is, is choosing quality progress monitoring. So for us on the ELA side, when it comes to early literature, uh, literacy, we're looking at things like Dibble's assessments, and then we're looking at progress monitoring from that. Um, but that takes the resource of people. And um, to me, the most important thing is in continuing to invest in our teachers and our specialists so that they uh, are able to look at this data and do, do something actionable with it to support students. Um, and so though the trends are very, very much uh, consistent in ELA, when we break it down to a, a smaller scale, it's important that we are um, not losing factor focus on the student behind the number. Um, so to me, that, that's the trend I want to focus on. I think I also want to highlight um, that, as I shared earlier, we have a um, critical need to sustain and grow our tiered structures. Um, but that's not just for the students, maybe, who may not be um, meeting expectations. It's for those students who are meeting or exceeding. And those cul-de-sacs, if you will, present opportunities um, for students to have um, an enrichment um, as well. So as you're living, say, in that fractions unit in grade four, what opportunities do we have um, to enrich our students' experiences? Um, so I think that um, something that you might hear is um, how critical it is to maintain the resources that we have so that we can continue to reach all students. Um, and as we talk about in this presentation, it's not just those that are meeting or not meeting, it's the um, exceeding. Thank you very much. Um, I, like Al, don't love data. So thank you for being able to put this together. Um, it's good to know people are on top of this. I mean, the things that you pointed out, it's, you know, um, like I know you talked about operations and algebra, you talked about the science curriculum. Those are things that you already saw, you've already pivoted. Thank you. Um, it's one last thing to, to be overly concerned about. I remember when the school committee voted, voted in 2021 for the math curriculum and, and there was like some jaw dropping of like, oh, this is really expensive. Um, but aside from our educators, investing in our educators, um, curriculum's probably next in line. You know, we gotta be staying on top of things. Um, you sort of answered my question already because I was gonna ask uh, just about things and I know like the district's been gathering information for the superintendent and business administrator to kind of get, you know, what, what what is the, the 
budget that we need to be able to successfully run the school. And I just want to encourage you guys to be bold. You know, you, you have so much experience and knowledge of what other districts are doing and what's possible um, that I really, I really think that Franklin's brand should be education. You know, birthplace of Horace Mann, home of the first library, we have a college in town. I think it's really where the whole town is going to benefit. So thank you for what you're doing. And, um, and I don't really have much other than that. And also online. If you have any questions, comments. Um, thank you for the comprehensive presentation. Provide a clear view of the district assessment. The one and only question I have is: uh, If any student uh, not able to meet the expectations, what is the backup plan to encourage the respective student? Good question. So I think um, as we shared, uh, MCAS is one data point. Um, so I think that um, our curriculum leaders play such a critical role in helping to triangulate the data um, to be able to understand um, does the um, MCAS data point um, align with other data points um, or um, maybe does it not align. Um, so I think that our curriculum leaders do a really good job of analyzing that data um, and comparing it to other data points as Dr. Rogers shared um, and then think about um, that roadmap um, so what opportunities do students have for just-in-time learning to be able to get a boost um, before um, they progress into a topic or something like that, so. Yeah. Okay, I appreciate it. It's a, it's a very good presentation of the full analysis. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I, just, I just want to mention one more thing. Um, I often hear from other committees, um, particularly finance committee, um, the chair will say, why does the school need more money? Our MCAS scores are great. They're fantastic. And then I go to an election and I'm asked to sign to, you know, a waiver of MCAS in the state that we're trying, people are trying to push. So um, any sort of information that you can, just know that the community is looking for, not necessarily where we're not meeting expectations or exceeding, but where we're looking for how to convey to sort of that, you know, 1990s school of thought where it's more than just an MCAS score to thrive. Um, so I love that our MCAS scores are going up. Um, the kids in the district, it's important. Um, but I think to convince the larger population of Franklin of, of how necessary it is to maintain resources, um, it's good to know like what other metrics maybe we deem even more important here in the district or you know, things that we care about. So I'm sure you all run that through the superintendent, but it's kind of my, my short story. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, just a, a few things. One, actually, I want to mention just for, for everybody uh, that uh, I know sometimes this is a lot of jargon. Uh, I talk about like UDL and the tier one, tier twos. Uh, the, we do have um, on our Franklin website that uh, edu, edu speak. Uh, a whole glossary of all of the terms and terminology as uh, and well, you'll start to become even more and more accustomed to it, but it's it's out there. So when you hear something about UDL, kind of instantly know exactly uh, what that means. Um, what I, I thank you though very much. Really love kind of seeing uh, a couple of things. One, when we talk about like the math curriculum and identifying, having a like introspective look 
to kind of identify where it, it wasn't you know kind of hitting all of those those check boxes at least when it comes to MCAS and you know looking at it as an iterative process to say all right you know all right, we got we got this great curriculum that we did pay a lot of money for however when we kind of take a look at it in terms of a little bit of MCAS here's where it's lacking so here's where we'll be able to, to provide supplemental material is is fantastic and I also really love the way that this was presented where as kind of my colleagues mentioned you kind of see the cohorts following along um, so thank you very much I know that a lot more work went into that to kind of present it in this uh, manner and I really appreciate that I, I, I do want to um, just kind of toss it out because I did take a look also at the kind of the old school uh, you know the uh, MCAS data and just how it was just generally you know here's a state here's a district and here's how it performs it just kind of there's any theories you see um, especially at the top level for exceeding expectations um, throughout the elementary school and even at the high school level crushing it you know when compared to the state it does kind of take a dip uh, in the middle school years and I think the exceeding expectations still is above the state average. I don't know if you have any ideas about you know why are, uh, you know some of that momentum uh, might have been lost. And just uh, I don't mean to put you on the spot. We're just, uh, we're just processing. That's all. Um, you know, I, I think as as we look at data, it's always we want to be cautious not to to theorize too much. Uh, we do see. Um, to, like you said, that the gap in terms of need, uh, exceeding expectations does kind of close in the middle, middle school. Um, that may be due to a, a multitude of factors. Um, we are going from, we are comparing at a state level, right? So it could be more to do with the state data changing than our data changing. And when we look at the possible points and we look at the domain, they actually remain pretty, pretty steady. Um, at, on the ELA side, I'll speak to when they emerge into elementary school. So we're not necessarily seeing our scores necessarily dip. We are seeing a trend of where the, the state may, may be having their own uh, changes, which is worth looking at and exploring more in detail. And we'd be happy to do that and, and share. Awesome. No, I mean, like, really appreciate it. Because uh, I didn't want to really put you on the spot. It was just something kind but of. But I, I think we also uh, we talked. We spent a lot of time trying to. Uh, figure out how to best present um, this data to you in the community um, and I think that a missed opportunity on a slide like this um, is thinking about um, there's a percentage of exceeding there um, but then there's a percentage of meeting and I'm always interested in if you say um, you know the 44 percent of sixth graders that were meeting of those 44 um, percent of students there's a big range um, some of them could be one question away from exceeding. Some of them could be one question away from partially meeting. So I'm always interested in thinking about groups of students and within those um, achievement ratings uh, to think about like how close are we? You know, one or two more questions and that 44 um, could be several students that are spilling over into the exceeding. I think it's just a, um, uh, another lens to look at this through. No, that's a brilliant perspective. Um, Thank you both uh, very much, and Dr. Rogers as well. Um, really appreciate all the time uh, that went into this, and, and especially just the way that it was presented was fantastic, uh, and be able to kind of see that through line over the years uh, was wonderful. So thank you all very much. Thank you. Thank you.
just through the chair, can I just share, I, just, I heard a bunch of comments and questions and I just wanted to go back and just tell a brief story. Uh, last year, I can go back to illustrative math um, when Dr. Rogers came on board. Um, she was able to secure grant funding. And when I think about, we talk about the support we have and the resources we have. She secured a $60,000 grant. We were the only uh, school district in the state that received um, grant funding at each of our elementary schools for math. So that was a few years ago, and we're seeing some of that. Last year, if you recall, we had a capital request for the K-5 literacy curriculum. We had put forth a number that we needed to have it for multiple years. If you remember, the capital budget um, disbursements across departments was lower than um, in previous years of what was expected. So we, I, have my, I just pulled up my document from last year and I wrote that we anticipate that this request would be good for, one, for a one-year contract and we would need to fund it again. Dr. Frazier not only went and found and secured upwards of 200,000, 200,000 in grant funding to, to, fit, to get the rest of the money to get the full K through five multi-year, it's a five-year contract. We don't have to pay a dime for five years because it's so short-sighted to spend 325 to get one year, but for five, you can get five years. Does that make sense? You go from paying 300, over 300,000 a year to 100,000 a year. Do you get what I mean? So that all happened after the fact. We weren't sure, but we were able to secure that over time, and that's an example of investing. So when I say the budget doesn't always support the work, we're trying to do things outside of that that allow us to have and secure those materials and funds. And my hope is that we see the effects of a multiple year approach where you're consistent with a tier one research-based curriculum, just like math. Districts who do things well have, uh, can you go to your last slide? Have a high quality instructional materials. Have teachers who are high quality teachers that we have. I worry with class sizes, we need to keep an eye on that. I'm not soapboxing, but I'm just trying to put this in context to when the budget season comes around, how are we able, a teacher needing to teach a reasonable amount of kids within a reasonable range is, is important. When we think about the professional development connected to all of these. So these are just a few examples of how we try to, to round off and try to, to, to add to the budget to allow us to have materials like that that allow us to, to do the work. Thank you very much, and a fantastic uh, reminder just of the incredible work uh, that your entire office does when it comes to securing grant funding, especially I mean, with that, um, when it was coming through us at a capital request, that uh, initially it was just gonna be a capital year over year, which isn't typically, it's more long-term planning. So to be able to secure those uh, additional fundings is absolutely amazing and an incredible, incredible achievement. Uh, it is gonna pay dividends to our students. Thank you very much. And thank you for continuing to highlight that. Uh, I think it's always so important when we do highlight uh, the grant funding and just kind of bringing in those additional revenue streams, uh, you know, besides just from the, the operating or the capital uh, budget. So thank you all very much. Appreciate your time. Thank you so much for Discussion action items. Uh, there's one recommendation of seeking your approval. You may recall earlier tonight we had the presentation from the art department um, on that overnight trip. So I recommend approval of the request of Diane Pluff and Amy Edson to take 
the art students to the Mass MoCA, Massachusetts Museum of Contemporary Art, and the Clark Museum in North Adams, Massachusetts, from March 15th and 16th, 2024, as presented. All right. Is there uh, a motion to approve? So, so moved. Is there a second? Second. All right. Uh, given that we have a committee member online, I think we're going to do a roll call yes. uh, vote. Uh, starting with uh, Gallagher. Yes. Uh, Griffith. Yes. Charles. Yes. McNeil. Yes. O'Sullivan. Yes. Sam Pauli. Yes. And Callahan. Yes. Uh, any opposed? Roll call. Good. Uh, all right. Motion carries. Then uh, discussion only items, uh, none on that matter. Uh, information uh, matters uh, when it comes to the subcommittee reports. Uh, the vice chair and I um, are working for those committee assignments. Uh, we'll start to have those out uh, very shortly and uh, officially announced uh, before in advance, uh, or at least out of on the December 12th meeting. Um, and I think otherwise, the mental health task force, or has there any other DEI, I don't believe, has met since? Nope, DEI meets tomorrow. Um, I just want to highlight the CPAC um, event that's happening on December 5th. Um, it's a mental health and suicide awareness with um, sponsored by the Safe Coalition as well. Um, it's at 6.30 p.m. here in the central office training room. So um, look for it in your building-based newsletters for the, the link to sign up to register. Thank you very much. You're welcome. All right, uh, so we'll move on to consent agenda. Okay. I recommend, I recommend approval of the minutes from the November 14th, 2023 school committee meeting as detailed. I recommend acceptance of a check for $2,609.86 from O'Connor Studios for in-house enrichment at Keller Elementary as detailed. I recommend acceptance of a check for $356.67 from Ohio Pile Prints for supplemental supplies for FHS as detailed. All right, is there a motion to approve the consent agenda as detailed? So moved. Second? Second. Any discussions, questions? All right, uh, seeing none, again, roll call vote. Gallagher? Yes. Griffith? Yes. Charles? Yes. McNeil? Yes. O'Sullivan? Yes. Sampali? Yes. And Callahan, yes. Motion passes. All right, uh, citizens' comments. Uh, are there any citizens in the audience, in person or online, who would like to make a comment on an item not on tonight's agenda and falls within the committee's purview? All right, seeing none, move on to new business. New business. Before I say that, I forgot to mention the Open Syed was almost fully funded as well. So shout out to science science group Eric representing. So Open Syed, we talked about that a little bit earlier uh, in there. That's almost completely funded. That's just to add to to that message. Uh, as far as new business, next meeting we'll have a highlight. It won't will not be a school. It'll be our food service department. So Colin. Guavir will be joining us to do a 12-minute highlight on the food service department. After that, we have uh, Mrs. Patricia Gay, who is our 
director of the Lifelong Learning Program. She'll provide an overview, uh, a presentation of her programming so that you can all hear about the things that are happening you know, before school, during the day, after school, and in the summer. And finally, uh, I mentioned earlier, our DPW director, Bruce uh, Cantagheri, will be joining us and he'll be doing a snow presentation. Colin is welcome to bring samples. <laughs> All right, uh, so then now I will entertain a motion to adjourn. So moved. Second. Second. Right. Gallagher? Yes. Griffith? Yes. Charles? Yes. McNeil? Yes. O'Sullivan? Yes. Sam Polly? Yes. And Callahan is a yes. Uh, motion passes. Thank you all very much. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tin Type Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.